Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Today, I'm going to preach a very interesting message. I'm going to title it, The Whole Bible is a Hymn Book. Hymn Book. The Bible is a Hymn Book. Tell someone, the Bible is a hymn book. This whole thing is about Christ. Jesus at the center of it all. If you don't see Christ, you haven't read it. Ah, Pastor, how can you say that? Where is the first place Christ appears in the Bible? You want to know? The first verse in the Bible is talking about Christ. Really? Oh, come on. Put it on the screen, let's see. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Did he mention Christ? What do you mean by that? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's read it together, let's go. In the beginning, God created Oh, come on, read it out loud, let's go. In the beginning, God created what has this got to do with Christ? It's because you don't, you, don't, you don't really understand. In John chapter 1, verse 1, let's look at it. It said, in the beginning, it said, it said beginning, was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. Look at verse 3. Verse 3. Let's read it together. Ah, who is the hymn? The word. All things were made through, there was, and without him nothing was made. So when he said in the beginning God created, actually the creation agent was him. It's right there from the beginning. He said, in the beginning Christ. In the beginning God created, oh, look at Colossians 1.16. Colossians 1.16, let's read it from the screen. Colossians 1.16. By him are all, th- uh, by all, him are all th- sorry, for by him all things were created. Did you see that? How were all things created? By him. Okay. That are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So in the beginning, God created. How did he do it? He actually had to do it through Christ. By him were all things created. So at the beginning of the Bible, Christ was already standing there. And how, how about the end of the Bible? Re- the last verse in the Bible is also about Christ. Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. What does it say? Let's all read it together. Praise God. Some of you are not reading. Let's go together. That's the last name ever mentioned in the Bible. The grace of our Lord is about, this grace is from Jesus. So it looks like from the beginning, the Alpha and the Omega, from the beginning to the end, it's like the book ends. The book ends and everything inside is about him. So the ends are covered by him. And everything, the grand, the theme, the central theme of the Bible is Jesus Christ, especially the Old Testament. Ah, but the Old Testament didn't talk about Christ. 
Testament wasn't talking about Christ. I didn't see Christ in the Old Testament. Oh, no. Everything written about in the Old Testament was about Christ. Ah, so are you trying to say, are you trying to say every word, every verse is talking about Christ? Not in that sense. But the theme. The theme. The theme. Oh, they, they, they call it this way. The authorial, authorial emphasis. The authorial motif. The authorial theme. The theme of the author. Everyone who wrote all the 39 books, all the authors, their theme was Christ. And the Old Testament is divided into, sometimes in, when they are talking about the Old Testament, it's divided into either mainly two sessions. Okay, but it's, you can divide it further, but you can subgroup them, or it's usually they call it in the, when you hear the law and the prophets, or Moses said, talking about what Moses wrote, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, five books, that's, that's the beginning. All right, so it talks about the Moses and uh, the law and the prophets, or Moses and the prophets. So the law or the writings, when you say writings, then that means they are breaking the prophets and the, like Psalm and the other book, historical books. They are, they are breaking that from the prophets, but they are all categorized as the writing. But the prophets encapsulate all of them. So sometimes it says that the law and the prophets, that's Moses and the prophets. All right. So the law and the prophet, the Old Testament is about Jesus. Actually, the entire Bible, our Christian Bible, the Bible is divided into two main sections. That's the only religious book that has got this description. Two main sections. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. And between the Old Testament and the New Testament are centuries. Centuries, years, hundreds of years. And yet they all agree and they are all pointing to one thing. There is no way you can understand the Old Testament without the New Testament. So, some, so I, I've heard people say, and I've heard in other places that some people said, but do we, as Christians, do we actually need the Old Testament? Let's get rid of the Old Testament because it's just, it's, no, 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 no. There's no way, there is no way you can understand the Old Testament without the New Testament, and there's no way you, the, old, the New Testament can be complete without the Old Testament. Because the things in the New Testament are coming from the Old Testament. You need to see the Old Testament to appreciate what is in the New Testament. And you need to see the New Testament to understand that. In fact, theologians put it this way. The, the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament, hidden in the Old Testament. And in the new, in the old, when you come to the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed. You begin to understand the Old Testament. Oh, okay. That's why they're doing it. Oh, okay. Okay. And the grand subject, the grand theme is Christ. The new and the old. Interestingly, this is very interesting, that all the history in the New Testament, the history, say history. history. What do you mean by history? You know, the Acts of the Apostles and is telling what has happened. All the history in the New Testament were actually prophecies in the Old Testament. Yeah. Oh, some of you didn't get it. 
What we are saying that it happened in the New Testament. So Paul went, Jesus did this, Jesus did. The history, when you go to the Old Testament, it is already spoken about in the Old Testament. So when you come into the New Testament and you are now reading the New Testament, you see the prophecies of the Old Testament having been fulfilled as history in the New Testament. It's interesting. The whole Bible is about Christ. It's a hymn book. It's about him. The Old Testament, one message. Christ is coming. He is coming. Prophesying. He is coming. The prophecies of the Old Testament are fulfilled in the New Testament. He is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah, the Old Testament is foundational. The New Testament is consummate. It just wraps everything up. Fulfillment of all, all that was said in the Old Testament were found in the New Testament. So the Old Testament says he's coming, he's coming. And then when you go to the New Testament, you go to the Gospels. The Gospel said he's here, he's here, he's here. Then you enter the, the book of Acts. The book of Acts pro, proclaims him. So all, that's where we are. That's where we are. The revival is about. The book of Acts proclaims Christ. It proclaims. It was proclaiming. So let me start again. The Old Testament says he's coming. The New Testament says he's here. The book of Acts proclaims him. The epistles explain him. And the revelation said he's coming back again. <laughs> it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Someone tell somebody it's all about Jesus. Jesus. Tell another person, he is the center of all. And it's very interesting that Jesus has always been the center of everything that God does. He is the center. And so when you read the Old Testament, I said you can't understand the Old Testament. Old Testament without the New Testament. So the question is, but so those who lived in those times and they were reading it, what was the problem there? So you, are you trying to say they didn't get it? Let's look at how the Bible puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14. Thank you, Jesus. Is somebody getting something? Why am I teaching on this? Because I want to prove to you that the focus of our preaching should be Jesus. It should be the testimony of Jesus. You remember he says that don't be ashamed of me or the testimony of our Lord. The testimony of our Lord. That is what they preached. That, so if we are doing outreach, if we are reaching out to people, we are carrying revival, and the word of God in our mouth, it must be Jesus. Their songs must be Jesus. I'll show you some things. I believe God, it will be a blessing. Um, Second Corinthians chapter, chapter 3 from verse 14. I think it's better we read from verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. I'm reading from King James. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. So up to now, the veil, there's a veil that covers the Old Testament, and he said, until this day, the same veil remains 
on uh, the, the on taking uh, uh, sorry re, the, the same veil is on taking away in the reading of the Old Testament. Which veil is what? Oh, which veil is what? Can you give me the NIV so that we can see how he puts it? Let's all read out loud. Let's go. And it has not been removed because only in Christ it is taken away. So you see, you know where veil is? When something is veiled, you can't see it properly. Sometimes you can see it, but you can't see it properly. You can't read when there's a veil on a, a text. And it says that up till now, when the Old Testament is read, there is a veil over it. How can you see the Old Testament? You can only see it because when you come into Christ, the veil is taken away. So there's no way you can understand the Old Testament outside of the New Testament. It is unveiled. I think in Acts chapter 3, verse, sorry, chapter 13, from verse, verse 27, uh, Paul them went to the synagogue and they went, um, um, when they went to the synagogue and they asked them from verse 17, <coughs> sorry, 17 says that they were, uh, uh, the people of Israel, they were uh, so, Paul and Barnabas were asked, after reading the text, that was the normal procedure in um, the synagogue, okay, the Jewish synagogues in those days. So they will have some prayers and some singing, and then afterwards, the text will be read from the Old Testament. And once it is read, then if they have a visiting rabbi, they ask them, have you got anything to say? So the same way, after all the proceedings, they asked Paul, who was a rabbi, and <laughs> they asked Paul and Barnabas that have you got, go verse 16, please, verse 16. Then, uh, verse, from verse 15, I think it's verse 15. After the reading of the law, after the, watch, watch this, after the reading of what? The law and the prophet. I explained the law and the prophets, the entire Old Testament. Okay, so after the reading of that, doesn't mean they were reading everything in the Old Testament, but they just read. Okay, they, they will always read it. That's what Jesus said, this day this scripture is fulfilling your hearing. All right, so after the reading of the law and the prophets, the ruler of the synagogue said to them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Verse, <laughs> verse 16. Then Paul stood up and beckoned, beckoning with his hand, said, Men of Israel, ye that, uh, ye, uh, uh, and ye that fear God, give audience. Go to the next verse. The God of our people Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt and started telling the history of the Old Testament. And he preached to them from the Old Testament. Watch, look at verse 27. Verse 27. He says that, verse 27, for they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath day. They were reading the voice of the prophet, but the people, because their eyes were blind, they didn't know him. They knew him not. Who is the him? Talking about Jesus. 
They knew him not. And yet, everything that was written about the, from the prophets that were being read regularly every Sabbath day was talking about him. And yet, they knew him not. Why? Because there was a veil covering their face. The veil is taken away when you come into Christ. When you come into Christ and start to look for him. So you, I'm about to say something you like this. You don't, start reading, if you want to enjoy the Bible, start from the New Testament. People take the Bible from Genesis. I'm reading through the Bible. Please, please. You start the Bible from the New Testament and then read it back. Because after, if you don't get what the New Testament is about, you won't get the Old Testament. The New Testament gives you what this whole thing is about. It helps you to see the history of Christ, the human living, the death, the burial. And then when you go into the Old Testament, I had a certain preacher put it this way, and I like it. He said, many preachers have been preaching, going into the Old Testament to look for Christians in the Old Testament. You will find Christians in the Old Testament. There are no Christians in the Old Testament. There, are, there is only Christ in the Old Testament. Yes, you can look in the Old Testament and give Christians advice, do this, 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 encourage them, this is how you give, this is how you praise, this is how you do things. Yes, you can take advice or take clues from how to live a Christian life and exhortation from the Old Testament. But actually, there are no Christians in the Old Testament. There's only Christ. So you go to the Old Testament, you have to see Christ to help you understand how you should live your Christian life. Christ. And if you don't see Christ, you, are, you have read it with your eyes closed. It is about Jesus. It's all about him. Somebody say it's all about him. Say it again, it's all about him. Christ is the central theme of the Bible. And he's always been the center of every dealings of God on earth and with creation. So, I like, one day, these guys were, um, they went with Jesus in Matthew chapter 17. They went with Jesus to go and pray. Jesus said, let's go and pray. It's usually called the Mount of Transfiguration. They went and prayed. So, so when they went and prayed, Bible says that as, they, as Jesus prayed, um, to bring them to a high mountain, and behold, bright cloud overshadowed them. Okay, and behold, a voice came out of the cloud which said, get this, God, God, what have you got to say? He said, this is my son. Hear him. Oh, you didn't get it. All God has got to say is, this is he. God points to Jesus. God pointed to Jesus and said, when the heavens was, was open, wonderful experience. That's why when Peter said, let us build something here and stay, Jesus said, you are not serious. Let's go down. I am with you. When you have me. That's why Jesus said that when the, the children have the groom, they don't fast. When I am with you, he is with you. God said, Jesus. And Peter said, let's build here and experience more. So Elijah will come every now and then, uh, 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 and Moses will come. No, no, it's not about Elijah. Do you know why, but do you know why it was Elijah and Moses who showed up? Because Elijah, Moses was representing the law, Elijah, the prophets. They came to commune with him. Put it back on the street. 
They came to commune with him. Bright cloud overshadowed them. Look at verse 4. Thank you, Jesus. Um, let's go to verse 2. I think it's better we, we just speak it from verse 2. And he was transfigured before their eyes, faces, and this shine as the sun. And his raiment, his wearing, his attire was white as light. Guess what? Let's go to the next verse, verse 3. And behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elijah. New King James, please. Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with Jesus. The laws were speaking to him. The prophets were speaking to him. The, that was the transfiguration. Can you imagine what exciting time would that be? You were there, and suddenly, and Jesus changes. He becomes white. His clothes was bright. He becomes like light. And as he showed, then you see Moses, the only one who, who could tell how things began. Science can't tell you how things began. Science is not about beginnings. It's about observations. Science is about observations. But there was no eyewitness. If they say Big Bang, who was there to see it? Who was there to see it? No eyewitness. Let's, let's be a little bit intelligent, intellectual. Eyewitness is evidence. No, I, but God has given his, his own account how I made it. You either take it or leave it. It doesn't change anything. Well, so Moses was the one who God gave him the revelation of how the world was made, how the world was created. And he brought the Ten Commandments. He brought the law. He brought them out of Egypt. And Moses told them that God is, is going to send a prophet like me. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. God is going to send a prophet like me. And so... Then Moses appears, then Elijah. And watch this. Ah, man, I didn't want to go too far. But in, in the tribulation, Moses and Elijah are going to come again. Yeah. And they will come and work miracles powerful for three and a half years. According to Revelations, chapter 13 and chapter 14, Moses and Elijah will show up. And the Antichrist, after they, they're working miracles, the Antichrist will kill them. And they will die on the streets for three days and God will resurrect them and be taken up in heaven. Very interesting. Moses and Elijah. Why Moses? They are the three people in the Old Testament who didn't see death. Bible said Moses died, but up to now no one knows where he died, where God buried him. God took him. And Elijah went. And these guys are going to, they came and appeared with Jesus. Because one was standing for the prophets, one was standing for the law. The law and the prophets came and pay obeisance. We salute you, sir. We salute you, sir. We have been talking about you all along. Welcome, sir. Welcome, sir. Welcome, sir. And Peter said, let's stay here. No, the staying there on the mountain is, is just an experience. But you, when you have him, you have that experience. You have everything. So watch this. And when they were transfigured, God then said, this is, he didn't say Moses. He didn't say Elijah. He said, this is my beloved, my son. Listen to him. Then when he was being baptized, the Holy Ghost came down. The heavens was open. And the Holy Ghost came to validate him. But not, not, that's not the even main point. When Jesus was leaving, he says, the Holy Spirit is coming. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he has one assignment. John 15, 26. Look at it. The assignment of the Holy Ghost. Wow. Hey. Let's read it out from the screen. Let's go. Loud. Of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify. He said, 
But when he comes, when the helper comes, his job, the help is coming to give you, is actually he's coming to testify of Jesus. So you meet the Holy Ghost and say, Holy Ghost, what have you got to say? He said, Jesus. Wow. You, heavens was open, you have an encounter with God. Go, what have you got to say? He said, Jesus. Yes. Holy Ghost said, is coming to testify about Jesus. The Father said, listen to him, I testify to him. And then Jesus himself showed up. And when he resurrected from the dead, in John, sorry, Luke chapter, Luke chapter 24. During his death, or during his life, they believed. His disciples believed that this is the man, the Messiah. All right, they believed it. They believed it. This is the Messiah. In fact, John chapter 1, verse, I think, um, 41 or 44. No, yeah, first found, it said, yes, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. All right, when he saw his brother, uh, Simon, he said, we have found the Messiah, because they were already expecting the Messiah. So when Jesus asked them, Matthew chapter 16, who do men say I am? And then Peter said, verse 16, you are the son of the, the, the Christ, that the Messiah, the son of the living God. He said, blessed are you. So they walked with Jesus, knowing that he was the Messiah. Who is the Messiah? The Messiah is the reigning king, who is going to come as the seed of David. The reigning king to come and restore the kingdom, like in David's time, Israel was always on top. In the days of David, Israel was a ruling power. No one could defeat them. So God told David, I'll give you a son. According to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse, 4, verse 12, I'll give you a son to sit on your throne. And according to Psalm 132, verse 11, I'll give you a son to sit on your throne. God told David, I'll give you a son. The Lord has sworn in, in truth to David. He will not turn from it. I will set upon your throne the fruit of your body. So the Jews who were children of prophecy, they knew that a Messiah was coming. They knew it. So but they were all expecting. And you know the time Jesus came, that was the time they were under Roman oppression. Roman occupation and Roman rule. So all of them, their cry was like, I need, we need um, the Savior. We need the Messiah. The Messiah must come. And then he shows up and they were happy. Yippee! Now the kingdom is about to be restored to Israel. Yeah! So that's why when he died, when he told Peter, I'm going to die, Peter said, God forbid. Why are you going to die? You're supposed to restore, restore the kingdom. That's what the Messiah, the Messiah is supposed to bring the kingdom of God. Why are you going to die? That's why he took him and rebuked him. That's why he took him and rebuked him. So when he told them he's going, because why did he rebuke him? According to Matthew chapter 16, first 16, Peter said, Thou art Peter son of the living God, all right? And then he said, thou art Peter, son of the living God. And after he, re he revealed the Christ, then Jesus began to, the Bible says, it's very interesting. From then on, Jesus began to tell them how he must go from verse 22, how he, Matthew 16, how he must go to Jerusalem and um, verse 21, I think it's verse 21. From, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and so, what and do what and suffer, and suffer huh suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and the he added we raised the test day that didn't hear that one mm. be killed Peter took him aside how can you talk like that I believe if he had his own way he would have, have slapped, slapped him. him how can you talk like that Jesus look at the revelation I brought you are the Messiah you haven't done your work and you are talking about going to die how 
So Peter took him, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Why? Because the expectation of the Messiah was the one who is coming to restore the kingdom like David. The son of David. That's why he was called the son of David. Those who believed in him used to call him son of David. The blind, blind men in Matthew chapter 9, verse, verse, verse 27. Bible says the blind men said, son, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Thou son of David, two blind men follow him. Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. You remember the woman uh, whose daughter was sick? Matthew chapter 16, the one Jesus said, I will not give the 15, sorry, Matthew 15. I will not give the food of the children to the dogs. Matthew 15, somewhere I think verse 22, 23, 24. The woman also came and she was crying out, son of David, son of David. Son, you remember blind Bartimaeus? Matthew chapter 30, verse 10. Blind Bartimaeus, sorry, Matthew chapter 10, verse 30. Blind Bartimaeus was crying out, son of David, son of David, son of David. And in fact, in Matthew chapter 19, they were crying, Hosea to the son of David. Hosea, sorry, Hosanna, said Hosea. <laughs> Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna, Hosanna. So he was known as the son of David, and they were expecting that he's the one to restore the kingdom. So after he resurrected from the dead, if you remember, his disciples in Acts chapter 1 asked him, um, you are talking about the Holy Ghost, but you know, we also have a question to ask you. Ask one four. Ask one four. Therefore, being assembled together, I commanded that they shouldn't depart from the Jerusalem by wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, he shall, you have heard from me. Go to the next verse. John baptized, truly baptized with water, but he shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. That's the Holy Ghost, the fire aspect of the work. So he said, you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost from now. And look, they've told them the Holy Ghost is coming. Do you know what they said? Look at the next question. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, excuse me, sir, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? <laughs> Because uh, you have resurrected, now you can go through walls. Yeah. Roman soldiers cannot kill you. You can actually blow, blow, and they will all fall. So now you are so powerful. This is the time to do it. Yeah. Will you at this time restore? So the Jews were always looking for a day. They are expecting that the Messiah is coming to restore, which is going to happen, but not in this season. It's going to happen in the, the millennium where he's going to be the king of kings and rule everything. So in Acts chapter 3, verse 21, Peter says that the time of restoration is coming. The, right, the, time of, the times of restoration of all things, which God, has, has, which God has spoken by the mouth of all the prophets since the world began. So there's a certain period coming. But they, they thought the Messiah's first coming was the one going to do. He, oh, listen to me. The Messiah's first coming was to give birth to the church. Yeah. That's why when Jesus, Peter said, you are the, are you following me? Yeah. Today, you think I'll talk about marriage, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why when Peter said, you are the son of the living God, he said that upon, I'll tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I'll build my church. When Peter revealed who he found out, oh, you are the Messiah, Jesus said, now that you know who I am, let me tell you my, my uh, mission statement, my manifesto, my agenda, I'll build my church. So, Church cannot be built without the Holy Ghost. So that's why I said, wait, now that I've resurrected, wait for the Holy Ghost to come upon you. But then they are talking about restoration of the kingdom. So we can be happy. We can enjoy. So Jesus, I've, I've spoken too much about this restoration. Let me just go back to Luke chapter, I spoke, I spoke about Luke chapter 24 from verse 12, a very interesting text. You have a, you have a microphone? Yeah, read it because we have to read through that very fast. Very interesting text. Now, what happened was that Jesus died and he resurrected and then two of his disciples, um, let's go to verse 13. Let's go to verse 13. 
they were, now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. So they were traveling, two of them, and they were talking about, hey, because they have heard that Jesus has resurrected. Their Lord has, he was supposed to have restored this kingdom. And so most of them were discouraged. They were discouraged, how can our Messiah suffer all these things? The way he was humiliated, the way he was, he was beaten, the way he had, they have killed him, and now, now they buried him too. Now the women went to the temple, uh, the, the, the tomb, they said he was not there. Some of our brothers, Peter them, went and they said it's true, he was not there, but we don't know where he is, no one has seen him. So they, they're talking, they're talking and Jesus comes and starts walking with them. Can you read, please? Verse 15, so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. They did not know him. Yeah, they were veiled. Yes. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this what that you have with one another? What are you another? guys talking about? And they said, ah, are you a stranger in Israel? Don't you know what has happened? The popular is like when there's a terrorist incident. Everybody knows about it. Yeah. You don't have to read the news to know what's happened. Yeah. You will know about it, that uh, American president is called Trump. Yeah. <laughs> you will know about it. So he said, are you a stranger in town? And those times, the towns were small. So everybody knows about, that's why Mary, when he, she got pregnant, Joseph wanted to put her away. And everyone who knew that the, the lady has, has done bad stuff. So angels said, don't put her away. So it's small. And so they said, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? Don't you know what has happened? And Jesus, you know, I like what Jesus said. He said, what is it? Tell me. It's like Jesus, he was trying to bring them in. He was railing them. Come, come and talk. Go ahead, come on, talk, talk. He just said, talk to me. Someone said, talk to me. Check someone so they don't sleep. Check, they said, talk to me. Today's preaching is like, it's like looking into a phone book. <laughs> Go ahead. Verse 19, and he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him, they did not see. They did not see. So they were telling all this story. And she, they said, we, we were hoping he was the one to restore the kingdom. Redeem Israel and now he's going to die. So what they didn't know was that there was a suffering aspect of the Messiah's life. So when they were reading the Old Testament, they knew a Messiah was coming, but they couldn't define it properly. Read it. Verse 25. Then he said to them, Oh, foolish ones. Foolish ones. And slow of heart. Slow of heart. Go ahead. Slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. All that, not only some. Oh. All that the prophets have spoken. Uh-huh. Go, watch, look at verse 26. Let's all read verse 26. Let's read it from the screen. Let's go. Sam, when you read the New American Standard Version, he said, was it not necessary? 
Is it, was it not necessary for Christ to suffer all these things? So the Christ you are talking about, number one, he is supposed to suffer. And after suffering, he needed to enter into glory. But the route into his glory was through the suffering, not amplified. Okay. Was it not necessary and essential, essentially fitting that the Christ, the Messiah, should suffer all these things before entering into his glory? So he was supposed to suffer, but you guys didn't know. You have been reading, you didn't realize that Isaiah spoke about his suffering. All right, I know. Let me go to the next verse and I'll throw a bit more light on this and then move out of here quickly. Now, the next verse. Bible said, and oh, let's all read it out loud. Louder. One more time. Uh-huh. And all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This thing is a hymn book. He expounded to them beginning from Moses. He didn't leave Genesis out. Oh, man. Genesis, he was there. Exodus, he was there. Leviticus, he was there. Numbers, he was there. Deuteronomy, he was there. And then the writings of the prophets. Joshua, he was there. Uh, Ruth, he, he was there. Judges, he was there. First Samuel, he was there. Second Samuel, he was there. First Kings, he was there. Second Kings, he was there. First Chronicles, he was there. Second Chronicles, he was there. Nehemiah, uh, ne Nehemiah, is it Nehemiah? Ezra, he was there. Nehemiah, he was there. Esther, he was there. Job, he was there. Psalm, he was there. Proverbs, he was there. Ecclesiastes, he was there. Watch this. Songs of Solomon. The love story, the romantic story is about Christ and the church. Yes. When you read it, don't go and be distracted by the beautiful breasts yes. and kisses you see there. It's all talking about Christ, I'm telling you. He said that my beloved, her breast is like a twin towers. Hey. Songs of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2. Verse 1. Songs of Solomon, chapter 5, from verse 1. I have come to my garden, my sister, my spouse. I have <laughs> I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. I have eaten, oh friend, drink, yes, drink deeply, oh beloved one. Look at the verse 2. Look at the verse 2. I sleep, but my heart is awake. How many of you know that? You are still thinking about her when you were sleeping. She was on your mind the whole night. You couldn't sleep. He was on your mind the whole night. You couldn't sleep. He said, I, am, I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the, uh, it is the voice of my, my... When you see beloved, it's lover. My lover. The voice of my lover. He knocked saying, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, <laughs> my perfect one. For my head is covered with you, my locks with drops of the night. Verse 3, it's amazing. I've taken off my robe. Hallelujah. I've already taken off my robe. I can't put it back on. We have to be together tonight. That one. 
Some of you have been singing some songs. Hey. This one, tonight gonna be a good night. That's it, that's it. Tonight, my lover, tonight gonna be a good night. A good, good night. I'm coming, my lover. He came with such smile. Yeah. Read the songs of Solomon. He talks about how his hand, his right hand, no, his left hand is under my head. Hey. And with his right hand, he cuddles me. Of Solomon is not about just romance because real romance is between Christ and the church. That's right, that's right, that's right. If you read Songs of Solomon, you don't see Jesus, you close your eyes when you are reading it. So, Songs of Solomon, Isaiah, Isaiah presents him as the suffering savior, but they didn't realize that the Messiah must suffer. So, from from the beginning from Moses, he started to show them in all the scriptures, all the scriptures, the, uh, the, uh, the, the graphic, graphite, that's the Greek word, sorry, the Hebrew word, graphite, not Greek word, sorry, graphite, that's where we, we get the word graphics, the written, what is written? He showed them everything written about him. So, do you remember I said, is it not, was it not necessary from the scriptures that Christ must suffer? But we, they didn't see it. Oh, he said, right, was there. The first preaching, the first good news that was ever preached, theologians call, call it evangelion. That's good news. Okay. So, good news. You, you know you, eulogy. You know eulogy. What's eulogy? Eulogy. 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 Yeah, eulogy. Eulogy. <laughs> no, no, no EU, no Brexit or EU, no. Eulogy, to speak good things, all right, nice things. So, eulogize, to eulogize. So, now, so, EU, EU has a to do with good. And angelos, an angel, messenger, message. You, you, so Evangelion is called good news. Evangelion, that's two words, Evangelion. And you know, when we talk about prototype, yes. first, and the first best gospel ever preached in the Bible is called Proto-Evangelion. And you know who preached that message? God himself. So theologians called Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. That was the verse 15. That was the Proto-Evangelion. The preacher was God, and you know the audience, the devil. That's the first message preached about the good news. And that's God speaking. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, the seed, capital, and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall do what? Bruise. The seed of the woman's heel will be bruised. Right? The first gospel says that the man will be bruised. The heels of Jesus will be bruised. God said it. They didn't see it. So when they bruised him, he, the guy will be bruised. When they bruised him, they didn't see it. And then God, right in Genesis, God took a lamb, uh, a lamb, and killed it. A lamb had to suffer for them, to, for God to get the skin and use as righteousness to cover Adam and Eve. I think seven verses afterwards. He covered them. So a lamb suffered. Genesis, chapter 
two, for somebody's testimony, for somebody's sacrifice to receive the endorsement of God, there must be suffering. There must be a shedding of blood. So the Bible says that God, God gave respect to Abel's sacrifice, but Cain said, no, this one has not got blood. And the blood of the lamb Abel shed, the blood of the lamb, or the lamb whose blood Abel shed to give God sacrifice, God loved it. He was a type of Christ. So it was there, suffering, somebody suffering. And Abraham was about to kill his son. God said, don't kill your son. Someone must die, but this time not your son. Let's get a replacement. So instead of your son dying, get a replacement of a lamb that will die. And so the, a lamb came to die instead of the people dying. It's there. It's there. Before they left Egypt, they said, bring sacrifice, bring a lamb, slaughter it, use the blood to mark the house, eat the flesh so you can live out of the house. Passover. The lamb for Passover, Jesus was there. But you have to realize that the lamb was a... a, a, a um, Substitute, yeah. substitutionary lamb. He was substituting the other people who were, so he died in the place of another. Yeah. And he suffered. The suffering of Christ was throughout the scriptures, everywhere. In fact, Psalm 22, he said, my Lord, my Lord, why have thou forsaken me? He was talking about Jesus. All the prophets, every, everything, the, the suffering of Jesus was part of Jesus' assignment. It was all over the Old Testament, but they didn't see it. So he began to, from the, from beginning from Moses, throughout all the prophets, he showed them in the scriptures all that was written about him. Say it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Say it's about Jesus. it's about Jesus. And so he said, ought not this Jesus to suffer and then enter into his glory? And so the prophets also spoke about his glory. And he was talking about, um, David said, Jesus was telling them all these things. That, uh, and David said in Psalm that my, uh, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. In fact, the last public message Jesus preached to unbelievers. You want to know the message? The last message, public message Jesus preached to unbelievers is in Matthew chapter 22, verse 41. He asked them, after they asked him questions and deliberation, he asked them, whilst the Pharisees were with, together with him, Jesus asked them, the next verse, saying, what do you think about the Christ? Hmm. Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. So, look at the next verse. Then Jesus said, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord? Lord, saying, then he quoted from David. He quoted from Psalm 110, okay? He quoted from 110. How then, saying, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. So David is talking, and he is talking about how God Almighty said to his David's Lord, who is the Messiah, sit at my right hand. So Jesus said, if the Messiah is the son of David, how can David calling his son my Lord? And if the Messiah is not yet arrived at the time David was talking, so then who was David talking about? Jesus was trying to tell them that this Messiah, even though he's going to be a human, he is timeless. He was before David. Because David said to, that's his last public statement. He was taking them to the Old Testament. Look at the Old Testament. I'm there. David was talking about me. I am there. And when he resurrected from the dead, he met the disciples. He also took them to the Old Testament. Ah, so there's so much about it. In fact, everything about the Old Testament is about Jesus. Yeah. He is the theme because the entire Bible is what? Entire Bible is what? He's the message. 
Here's the message. Yes. Jesus is the uh, it says reason for the season. No, he's actually the message mm. of the scripture. The message of Christians. The message, the good news is just the good news of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. I think I just, I just need to move out from here. With it. And then Bible said, after he told them all this in Luke chapter 24, Bible says that they got arrived, they ate some bread, and their eyes opened. Mm. And they said, verse 32, that they said, they said, one, did our hearts not burn within us whilst he was talking to us? Watch this. Until he begins to reveal the scriptures to you, yeah. you can't love him. Until you know, see, those people who say, I want to obey God, you can't obey him. Your level of revelation of Jesus will determine your level of obedience okay. and how you are willing to proclaim him. So it, or how you willing, you can't know him or you can't love him without knowing him. You have to know him in order to love him. And when you love him, you obey him and declare him. So this whole thing starts about having an understanding and revelation of Jesus. You are sitting in church Sunday after Sunday, Monday or weekday after weekday, and you don't know Jesus. This whole Christianity thing is about Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you are lost. I don't care the nature of your testimony. I'm about to go into that in a minute. I don't care the nature of your testimony. I think I should even go into that already. These apostles, hey, kandama shotaya kataya. These apostles were with him and they saw heavens open and he was transfigured before them. Such glorious experience. If you have that experience, you don't need anything to convince you again about Jesus. You don't need anything. And yet, oh my God. First Peter, no, second Peter chapter one, verse 16. You, what I'm about to show you, you like it. I'm coming to the end. You like it. Magadashaka. Look, he said, for we did not, this is Peter talking. Peter's epistle. Are you listening to me? Yes. Peter said, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power of the, uh, the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Wow, wow. We saw it physically, eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw it. We are not telling you stories. We have seen it. He said, we were, I was there. When the heavens was, oh, look at the next verse. Look at the verse, verse, verse 17. He said, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved self in whom I were pleased. On, on that mountain, look at verse 18. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. They saw it. You know, they, they saw it. They said, what? This is amazing. He said, we are eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses. What again do you need? And yet, he said, what we experience is not powerful enough above the scripture. Wow. Your personal experience is not powerful enough. The scriptures about Christ is powerful than anything. Look at, look at, look at this man. Look at the next verse. What is? And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. King James puts it, they said, we have the sure word of prophecy. He said, also, we, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto, if you, if you do well that 
that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the, the day dawns and the day star arises in your heart. This is talking about the Bible. Watch this. Go to the next verse. Go to the next. Knowing first that no prophecy of the scripture is of private interpretation. Go to the next verse. But for prophecy came not in the old times by the will of man, but holy men of God spake when they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So he's saying that all this we saw, there's a, a, bell, a more sure weight. Jesus. Your personal experience is not good enough. It's good, but this tells us more about the sure way. He said the sure way. Hey, can you imagine when they, the glory they saw? Peter said, we saw it, but now that he has resurrected, I'm telling you, everything is already, this is a sure word of prophecy. This is a sure word of prophecy. Some of us, your Christianity is based on your experience. When you go out and going to do outreach, when you are talking to people, please, your testimony is good, but it is not the sure word. I was sick and I've been healed. And I was going through this and it has happened to me. It's good, but it's supposed to lead people to the sure word. You have to tell them because the sure word is about Jesus, Jesus, from the scriptures, Jesus. Point people to the scripture. And if you read the Bible and you don't show Christ, you have not read it. That's why we have so many dead churches in town. They read the Bible every day, but they don't see Jesus. You look, at, you look at the people, they don't know anything about Jesus, but they say they go to church. They go to church Sunday after Sunday, weekday after weekday. They keep going week after week, but they don't know Jesus. Hmm. They don't know Jesus. They pass comments, oh, the Bible doesn't matter, you don't have to just follow it. Because they don't, if they knew that this is about Jesus, this is a hymn book, and they know Jesus, they love Jesus, this will be their number one fan. That's it. Yes. without making reference to the hymn book. Man of God, it is betrayal of your testimony of Christ. If you preach without making reference to the scriptures, you are betrayed and it's professional malpractice. It is wrong to preach in the name of the church of Christ without making reference to the hymn book because this is a book about him. This is a book about him. This is the book about him. You want to know him? Go to the hymn book. You cannot love God if you haven't seen Christ. You can't see Christ outside of the hymn book. You can't obey God without loving him. And you can't proclaim him without loving him. So if you don't love him and you try to proclaim him, your testimony of him will not be complete and you easily be ashamed of his testimony. You easily, because you don't know the one you are trying to declare. Paul said, him who you worship without knowing, him I declare to you. It's about him. The whole Bible is a hymn book. Every aspect of the Bible is a hymn book. It's a hymn book. It's a hymn book. They, with all their testimonies, they had, the experience they had, they said, there's yet Peter. He was on the mount. He, Peter said, let's stay here. Afterwards, he realized that there's a sure word of prophecy. 
after the resurrection, when Jesus himself, and when you read the road of Emmaus, now when he appeared to the disciples the first time of the resurrection, in Luke chapter 24, from verse 44, the Bible says that he took them through the scriptures, from verse 44. And he said to them, these, these are the words which I spoke to you while, while I was still with you, that all, all, the, uh, all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses and the prophet and the Psalms concerning me. All things must be fulfilled. And so he opened their eyes. Then Peter realized, ha, ah, we have a sure word of prophecy. For the scriptures did not come by the whims and the will of man. But holy men of God were moved. They spoke as they were moved by the, they were carried by the Holy Spirit. I'm talking to some Christians in the house. Hallelujah. How many of you love him? When you love him, you value the hymn book. Value the hymn book. Can I wrap this up? The apostles, pastor, the first preaching after Jesus resurrected and when the church was born, when the church was born, the first preaching that ever was preached was Peter. Peter, in Acts chapter 2, when the people were saying that, oh, what is this? These guys are drunk. These guys are drunk. And Peter, Acts chapter 2, right from verse 14, he says that these guys are not drunk as he supposed. But this is that which, then verse 17, verse 17 says that he went to the verse, and then, he, oh no, okay, verse, he said, this is that which the prophet, but this is that which the prophet do. So he started quickly, his message, he went to the prophet. He said, the prophet spoke about what you are seeing. Watch this, watch this. The prophet spoke about what you are seeing. So he started telling, explaining what they are seeing and connected it to. The, and, and then he started, he told them that, and he quoted um, Joel chapter 2, and he read it to verse 20 throughout. Then when he got to the verse 21 of Acts chapter 2, he says that for whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then verse 22, he said, this Jesus... Do you see that? And ye men of Israel, hear this. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God amongst you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves know. They knew it wasn't strange. They, did. they were watching prophecy fulfilled. He said, you took him by the hands of lawless men, wicked men, and you put him on the cross. You killed him, whom God raised on the third day. And he began to preach. So, and watch this. It's very interesting. He says that David, he quoted from Psalm, Psalm 16, verse 8 to 11. When Peter was preaching, he quoted, said, David, for David spake concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, I, uh, that I should not be, put, be moved. Psalm 16, verse 8 to 11, he quoted it. And then when he finished preaching from Psalm 16, verse 8 to 11, he went to Psalm 132, verse 11, and then he came back to Psalm 16, verse, verse 11, and then he went back to Psalm 110. He quoted, and he said that the, the Lord says that, verse 33, thou art my son, today I have begotten you. He was, watch this, what am I trying to say? The first message ever preached by a church was making reference to the Old Testament. Everything they preached was validated by the Old Testament. They read, the, but they were reading the Old Testament because a veil covered their faces until they met Jesus. All the message, and look, Acts chapter 3. 
He preached again. When they healed the cripple, and the people were coming to him, and uh, uh, him and John, he said, guys, verse 12, why do you look on us as though by our own power we have done this, or our holiness? Then he started preaching. He started preaching. Look at the verse 17. He started preaching again. I said, no, verse 15. Uh, verse, the, the same verse, uh, no, the verse, verse 13 again. And the God of Abraham, Isaac, so watch this. He started preaching the Old Testament. Peter again. He preached, he preached and told them re restoration is coming. He preached and I think somewhere verse 25, 26, 27, he started making reference to the, what the prophets said. I think, let's, I, I need to check what my, yeah, verse 25, see. Ye the children of the prophets and, and of the covenants which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, in thy seed shall all the, kin the kindreds of the earth be blessed. They were reading, look at verse 27, verse 27. They're reading from the prophet and you first, God having raised his son Jesus sent him to bless you in turning uh, everyone away from iniquity. Verse 28, from his iniquity. Verse 28. Verse 28. There's no 28. Uh, it's chapter 4, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, chapter. So chapter 4, he started preaching again. Now, the point I'm trying to make, let you understand that. Let's look at chapter 4. There's a very, yeah, there's some interesting point there in chapter no, it can't be chapter 4. Let me get my text, my notes. He preached a powerful message which I, I don't want you to miss. Magadaba shakataya. Verse 22. I want the verse 22. Yes. For the man was about 40 years old. Who was? Chapter 3, verse 22, please. Acts 3, 22. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God. This is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. A prophet shall your Lord, the Lord your God raise up amongst you, amongst your brethren, like unto me. He, he shall hear, he shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he says unto you. Verse 24. Look at verse 24. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that followed after, as many as have spoken, have like, likewise foretold of these days. They were all talking about these days, Jesus. The Old Testament. I need to wrap, wrap up. But I want you to know, Peter, and you remember Stephen? Yeah. Stephen, when they, before they stoned him, he asked for him, he started from Abraham. He broke it down, he broke it down. All the whole Old Testament. All the, when he got, to, he got to verse 52, Acts chapter 7, verse 52, he broke down the Old Testament, then he, he dropped Jesus into it. He said, which of the prophets have your fathers uh, uh, have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now betrayers and murderers. They were killing the prophet. The prophets were always talking about the coming of the Holy One. Jesus is coming and they were killing the prophet. They were killing. Now the Holy One comes, you two have murdered him. So you stiff-necked people. Yes. He preached from the Old Testament. The Bible said they were cut to the heart and they killed him. Jesus was standing for him. The message is, what I'm trying, some of you have not got what I'm trying to say. Why are you trying to preach without making reference to Jesus in the scriptures? What kind of message is that? It's phony. It's a hoax. It's dodgy message. You must make reference to him. And he's all over here. Make reference to him. I'm not saying you always go and take a Bible and be quoting Matthew chapter, but your message must be referred to him in the book, not your just your personal testimony. Not just your personal. And Paul, when he got to Mass Hill, he preached Christ. Time will not permit me to go into that. 
Paul, Peter, when he got to Cornelius' house, Acts chapter 10, from verse 34, he said, indeed, I find out that God is no respecter of persons. And he started preaching. He preached Christ from the Old Testament. And then Paul, he also preached Christ from the Old Testament. I like this. Let me end with these two ones, um, this about the apostles. In Acts chapter 26, talking about Paul and King Agrippa, when he was taken to King Agrippa to give a witness, he says that from verse 22, he says that, uh, therefore I stand, and having obtained help, he told him about, watch this, he told King Agrippa about how he was going to persecute the believers, and he met Jesus on the way, and he was blind, and he was healed, and Ananiah came to heal him, and he says that, and God told him to go and preach, and he said, therefore having obtained help from God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. So, you see, their preaching was always based on the scripture, the grapher. The graphite. They were making reference. I'm not saying anything new. Paul said, I'm not saying anything new. I'm not telling you. I told you my personal testimony, how I met Jesus. But Jesus told me to preach this message. Because your testimony can't change anybody. It is his testimony that changes people. So, he said, I'm saying nothing. But these things, and guess what? As he was speaking, verse 23, as he was speaking, Festus, he said, Paul, you are out of your mind. You are getting mad. He said, no, look, the prophet, look at what the prophet said, verse 23. Quickly, quickly, verse 23. That Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should be raised from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. So he was making reference. This is what the prophet said. He doesn't say, that's not my message, the prophet's message. Then go to the next verse and see. And he, and as he does speak, Festus said to him with a loud, Paul, you are getting mad. <laughs> Much learning is making you mad. You, are, you have been reading, reading, reading. Now that thing is giving you a mental problem. And, and I like Paul. Paul spoke back. He said, I'm not mad. The king himself knows what I'm talking about because this, oh, watch this, watch this. He said, these things that I'm talking about, were, they all happened openly. They all happened openly. And they did not happen in a corner. That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. These things that I'm talking about, for I'm persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For these things was not done in a corner. Now look at the next verse. That's where, and he told Kinagri, Kinagripa, do you believe the prophets? <laughs> He didn't say, do you believe my testimony? He said, do you believe the prophets? The prophets were always talking about this. You can't tell me you believe the prophets and you can't receive Christ. Do you believe the prophets? Because this thing, everything they prophesy is about him. It is a him prophecy. <laughs> the prophecy, ah, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Their heart, their core, their soul, the breath of their prophecy was Christ. It's the testimony of Christ. Do you hear what I said? The soul of true prophecy. The soul, the heart, the spirit of true prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy. You say you are prophesying? It doesn't matter. Prophecy is in two ways. I'll come to that in a minute. So he finished preaching to um, King Agrippa. And then, guess what? You like this, verse chapter 28, verse 23. Paul now was, was in Rome and was under house arrest. He was allowed to move around, leave people were visiting him. And when they had, uh, 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 verse, yeah. and when they had appointed him a day, 
There came many to, uh, many to, uh, many to him into his lodging, okay? So, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. Are you not enjoying this thing I'm teaching? He persuaded them from morning to evening. Out of, you know, I told you the law of the, the, the law and the prophets. That's why he kept saying the law. That means the entirety of the Old Testament. Paul, when he got to Rome, Jews were coming to him. And when they came morning to evening, that's what he was persuading them, proving concerning Jesus, both from the law and the, and the prophets about Jesus. That's all he was doing till he died. He was preaching from the book because it's a hymn book. Say, the Bible is a hymn book. The Bible is a hymn book. <laughs> Paul, let alone to talk about the other apostles, their writings, the things they wrote. When Paul was about to write his messages, can you imagine the scripture? What we are reading in the New Testament, Paul, Romans chapter 1, he said from, from verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? Uh, it's a Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto what? The gospel. Separated unto what? The gospel. And look at what he said about the gospel, verse 2. The gospel of God, which he promised before in his prophets the, and the Holy Scriptures. What he said, what I'm about to write, it's been spoken about already in the Holy Scripture. So you now have to understand, then go to the Holy Scriptures or go to the Old Testament and go and find you see it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the, in the Old Testament. Acts, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. When he was t- preaching his actual gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. Are you getting some? Uh, yes. Look at 1 Corinthians. He said, for I, for I deliver, for I deliver, I delivered unto you first, first of all, that which, was, which I also received. How Christ died for our sins. How? Which, what do you mean? What do you think you meant by scriptures? That time they didn't have a new testament, it was only the old testament. It said Christ died, but everything about Christ is already written in the old testament. Christ died according to the scriptures for our sins. So the scriptures have already spoken about his coming to die for our sins. That's why when Peter said, You can't die, say, My friend, get behind me, Satan. And look at the next verse, verse 4. How Christ died for our sins according to, a, to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You are a Christian. You are not reading the scriptures. You want to go and preach. What are you going to preach? What are you going to preach? You think the Bible is the religious book? Just for religious activities. No, it's for feeding and for finding Christ and loving Christ. This book I'm holding in my hand is the only, let me use this word, only religious book that has two sections divided by centuries. It's the only religious book inspired by God, given by God. All the other religious book, any other religious book is fake. It's, it's fake and made, it's fake. It's forgery by, the, by demons or human beings. This is the only book from God. All other religious book is forgery by demons and other men. Last scripture. This one is, I couldn't wait to deliver. I spoke about it, but some of you didn't get it. When Paul was giving his witness to King Agrippa, and when Peter was talking about their personal experience. They said, my personal experience is good, but there's a sure weight. 
of prophecy. And then when Paul was speaking to Agrippa, he said, King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets? That was a very serious question. Yeah. If he said yes, Paul said, I know you do. Yes. Yeah. He couldn't answer. He said, I know that believeth. So why couldn't you receive me? He said, within this short time, do you think you, you, you almost will persuade me to be a Christian? Yeah. Yeah. Because now, if you believe the prophets, suddenly you don't have a choice. So he said, Agrippa, believe it down the prophets. I know that believe it. Look at the next verse. And Agrippa said to Paul, almost thou persuade me to be a Christian. Because if I'm believing the prophet, then I know I can't deny what is happening. Because the prophets have said this. Why can I say I believe them and I can't accept this? What have they said? They have said everything about Jesus. Why? Because there are two types of prophecy. How about prophecy? I can prophesy. How about prophecy? I can prophesy. When we talk about prophecy, prophesying, every believer should aim to prophesy. I will explain it. Prophecy is in two ways, either predictive or proclamatory. Proclaiming. So like what I'm doing, I'm prophesying. Okay, so you don't have to. Sharing the word of God purely from God's word is prophecy. So that's why when we come to church, there must be prophecy because God is a prophetic God. So predict, you speak forth or you telling forth and speaking, speaking forth and um, foretelling. So you can either foretell, predictive. Three months from now, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. That's foretelling. But most of us think prophecy is only foretelling. It's only predictive. It's not only foretelling. It's also foretelling. Speak forth. Speak forth. It's proclamatory. You have to proclaim. Okay, so what gives prophecy its validation? It's not prophecy until there is a very essential active ingredient. The active ingredient of prophecy, the spirit of prophecy, the soul of prophecy. Remember when I started, I said, he said, don't be ashamed of me, nor the testimony of our Lord. You remember? He said, don't be ashamed. First, first, second Timothy chapter 8, verse, uh, chapter, sorry, chapter 1, verse 8. Don't not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. The same, second Timothy, I said, chapter 1, verse 8. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Yep. The testimony, which is the same as the witness. The witness. Testimony. Witness. The same. All right? Where am I ending? Now look at Revelation. You will like this. Revelation, we are going to, all going to read it. Revelation chapter 19. Magadabashakataya. Revelation chapter 19, verse number 10. This is the angel who was showing these things to John. And when John saw it, he fell at the angel's feet. And he said, angel, he started worshiping the angel. The angel said, you see, how do you know it's a demonic spirit? Demons accept worship. Angels don't accept worship. Because they are messengers. So we are not supposed to worship any object, any human being, anybody, or any angel apart from God. He's the only one. That's why when at the throne, the Bible says that the lamb stood and they fell and worshipped the lamb. That means that the lamb is God. The only thing we can worship, thou shalt not have any, the second commandment, no, actually the first commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Exodus chapter 20 verse 1, 2, that was, thou shalt have no other God before me. So that shall not make thyself, uh, that shall not make gravy image, that shall not bow thyself to them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I'm reading from Exodus chapter 20. All right. So we are not supposed to worship anything. But here, go back to the text, my, my, uh, Revelations 19.10. When the, the guy met the angel, after the angel gave him these wonderful things, he fell down on his feet, on his knees, and worshipped the angel. So 
I fell at, my, uh, at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, see thou, thou, uh, see thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and thy brethren that have the, have what? The angel, see, those of you who have met angels and the angels were worshiping, the demons, demons. True angels never receive worship. But the devil told Jesus, if you worship me, I'll give you the glory. God, the devil always wants to be worshipped. And his demons wants to be worshipped. So he said, the angel said, no, no, I'm your fellow servant. And, thy, and, and of thy brethren, and, have, and I have the what? Oh, I can't hear. I have what? The testimony of Jesus. I have what? The testimony of Jesus. And what, what do you say? Worship God, Don't, not me. Worship God. Every pastor must teach the members of the church, let's worship God. Don't worship a pastor. You can honor the man of God, but don't worship man. Worship God. Worship God. But listen, listen to this. He said, I bear the testimony of Jesus. Now let's read the last statement together very, very loud. Let's go. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Oh, why are you not reading? Everybody, let's go. For the testimony of Jesus is the I can't hear you louder. Now, very loud. No, 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 no. I mean, shout it. I want you to shout it. Shout it out. Let's go. Shout it. Shout it. For the last time. Hallelujah. Give me a high five. You, you, see, you see what you didn't know? You know, I spoke about this. All right, let me explain. What is the spirit of prophecy? The heart of prophecy, the soul of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Yeah, prophesying, prophesying. Where is Jesus in the prophecy? It's not prophecy, it's prophesy. What kind of prophecy is this? Where is Jesus? When anyone prophesies, either predictive or proclamatory, you have to look for where is it pointing Jesus? Where is Christ in this prophecy? If there's no prophecy, it is like a human being without a soul. It's like a car without an engine. It's a truck. You push, push, push truck. A car without an engine, can, engine cannot move. It's like cordless microphone without batteries. It's like spams without semen. <laughs> it's like sperm without semen is orange juice. It can it can it can fertilize an egg. Yeah, it's true. Yes. <laughs> All the noise and this macho macho thing. You 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 can you can you have a lot of spams or you have a lot of sperm, semen. Sorry, yeah, sorry, the other way around. You have a lot of semen, but there's no sperm inside. Sperm count is zero. What you are producing is orange juice. It's like orange juice. It's like apple juice. It's like Fanta. You cannot pregnant. It's the same way. Prophecy without the testimony of Jesus it is not true prophecy. It lacks the soul. It lacks the spirit. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Let's all shout it together. The spirit of prophecy. One more time. The spirit of prophecy. The heart of prophecy. 
the song of prophecy, the breath of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. That's why. <laughs> Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. So when we go out to go and preach, when we are sharing the gospel to people, if there's no Christ inside, it's not prophecy, it's fake. You are not prophesying, you are prophesying. You think you are doing well, but it doesn't, that, that's why I use the semen. Doesn't matter how much excitement you can give the woman. You are skillful. <laughs> she was screaming and crying. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny. Today is the best day in my life. Today, <laughs> Today is the best day of my life. <sighs> You're happy. He's <laughs> now awake. She's also now awake. Thank God. With all the, you can give her the excitement. But if you don't give her a seed, you make her so sad. Yes, she's saying, I, I need a child. Oh. I've had fun, but now I need a child. I need a semen that has got sperm. Doesn't matter how much preaching and noise we can be making in church, the music, we can have good music. We can have good music, have good hosting, like air hostess. We can have good prayer. Anything we do in church, if it, if it lacks the testimony of Christ, it is like what? Semen without sperms. It does not bring productivity. It does not have life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy, there must be a testimony of Jesus. Is it is it all the prophets testify of me? Why is it that you are prophesying and it's not? Why are we preaching? Why are we having songs, church songs, and it's not testifying about Jesus? Thank you. Church songs, it's exciting. It's exciting. We are rejoicing. It's nice, like nightclub songs. But that this lacks the testimony of Jesus. Lacks, and we have brought, imported the world into the church for fun, for excitement. But lacks the testimony of Jesus. It's fake. It's vain. It's vain. It's vain. Preach Christ. Paul said, when I came to you, I desire to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. I desire to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. He said that we, First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, we preach Christ and him. We preach what? Christ crucified. That's what we preach. Not your personal testimony. We preach Christ crucified. We prophesy Christ. 
It's about Christ. Paul taught so many things. When theologians, I'm about to drop some theological words. I've ended now, but let me drop this in just for those who like uh, intellectuals. Uh, some theological words. When you, talk about, when you talk about theology, when you talk about theology, theology, there's something called systematic theology. Systematic approach to understand theology, biblical theology. There's, there are 10 areas of systematic theology. Paul taught all of that. So if he's saying that he came to preach Christ, but no, he wasn't only preaching Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. He was teaching systematic theology, everything. And systematic theology, the 10 areas, is called bibliology, theology proper, Christology, pneumatology, <coughs> excuse me, angelology, about study of angels, angelology, um, uh, human beings, anthropology, okay, uh, that's about human beings. Hamashiology uh, 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 about sin. Soteriology about salvation. Eschatology about church. Sorry, end times. And ecclesiology about church. Ten areas of philosophy. Uh, sorry, theology. Paul is a master of all these areas. Bibliology, theology, Christology, pneumatology, angiology, uh, 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 anthropology, hamashiology, soteriology, ecclesiology, es eschatology. Paul was a master. He was teaching all these things. However, he said, I, I did not know anything and I only Christ. So how? All these things all converge about Christ. Every aspect of theology, systematic theology, is about Christ. If he misses Christ, you have missed it big time. So Colossians 1.28 said, we proclaim Christ. Colossians 1.28, he said, whom we preach, warning everyone and teaching everyone, uh, every man in all wisdom, that uh, they present everyone perfect in Christ. We preach Christ, we proclaim him. He is the one we preach. Whom we preach. We preach Christ. We preach Christ. He says, go into the world. Matthew chapter 20, verse 19. Go into the world and preach the gospel. And he said, teaching them, teaching them, all the, verse 20 said, teaching them everything that I have taught you. Matthew chapter 20, verse 19. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 19, sorry, 28. 28, verse 19. Teach them. Te go ye in the world and teach all the baptizing in the name of the Father, Son of the Verse 20, look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you. The thing is about Christ. Church is about Christ. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm happy to present to you the whole Bible is a hymn book. Hallelujah. Please bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you. I have been speaking about Christ. You can't be going to church and coming to church, but if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you don't have the life of God. Maybe you have heard the message, and you know this is the hour for Christ to have the preeminence in your life. For Christ to have the supremacy in your life. For you to say, Christ, I, Lord, I give you my heart. I'm ready to start anew with you. I'm ready to give up anything so you can have your way in my life and I can worship. I'll be a true worshiper. I'll be a true servant of yours. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Maybe this is your desire. You are here. You want to say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Pastor, pray with me. I want to invite Jesus into my heart. Pastor, pray with me. I want Jesus 
to be my Lord and my Savior. Pastor, pray with me. I want my life to be the testimony of Jesus. God, I know this is why God has called me. I'm not ashamed of the testimony of Jesus. If that's your genuine desire, slip up your right hand high so I can see it and pray with you. Slip up your right hand. You want to say, Pastor, I want Jesus to have his way in my life. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to bear the testimony of Jesus. I want to be born again. I want to start afresh. Maybe you have done that before, but you have backslided, and your testimony of Jesus has fallen into shambles and to water, and you, you don't have a dynamic relationship with Jesus again, but you want to rededicate your life to Jesus. You want to start afresh with Jesus to bear his testimony, and you are not ashamed of the testimony of Jesus, and that's what you want to do. It's honest. It's all, you are not ashamed of the testimony of Jesus. I'm not ashamed. I want to bear his testimony. I want to bear the seed of God. I want God. I want to carry the seed of God. I'm ready to walk with God. I'm ready to honor him with my life. I'm ready to serve him with my life to you, you can still join us. God bless you. I want to pray a simple prayer with you. It's a prayer from your heart and a prayer of dedication. Mean it from your heart and it starts a new day for you. And say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Jesus. Let's all say it together. Say, Lord Jesus. Jesus. I know I am a sinner and I've sinned against you. But I believe that you died on the cross to save me from my sins. I, I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I make a commitment that I'll serve you. I'll bear your testimony in the name of Jesus. I'll love you. I'll worship you. Thank you for what you have done for me on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you. They heard your voice, and they are not ashamed of the gospel. They heard your voice, and they have taken a step. Your word says in John that no one can come to you except the Father draws them to you. These ones have been drawn by the Father. I pray and commend them to you and to the word of your grace. Let them grow in Christ and let them do well. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at charis.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.